He's a former law enforcement officer and paramedic. He's here to talk about the murder of town marshal law enforcement officer Richard Hart, his friend and colleague, the devastating effects it had on him and his life after. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to look for the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show all over social media. We're on Facebook. Look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. On MeWe.com, look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. On Twitter, follow LET Radio Show PO1. On Instagram, follow LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Gab.com, search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Again, our website is letradioshow.com. Hope to see you online soon. Calling us from Michigan, we have David Brown on the phone. David is a former law enforcement officer, also a former paramedic, and he is the author of three books. You can get more information about him, his books, his website is David j the letter j brownbooks.com david thanks so much for being a guest on the show very much appreciated my pleasure jay how long ago were you in the law enforcement career it was uh 30 years ago uh on august 7th is when i walked away okay when you say walked away that usually means that something dramatic happened and and I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's a lot of trauma that we all go through. There's a lot of violence we see. There's a lot of things that have devastating impacts on us. And quite often, it can result in very unhealthy behavior. Was that the case for you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I lost a dear friend. His name is Rick Hart. And he was an officer in the adjoining city. And we were pals. And uh, we stopped for a quick break. And 10 minutes later, he was laying in the street dying approximately uh, eight years beyond that until I finally just gave it up. We say gave it up. Was there a really negative impact on you? It was. Uh, I was disgusted with, uh, with the DA's office. The day that Rick was killed, they didn't charge the perpetrator with a serious crime. He got out of jail that same day on a $200 bond, and they never put any restrictions on him, and he fled. And we hunted him for four and a half years. First of all, let's talk about your friend. He was, I believe the term is town marshal. We use different terms in different parts of the United States, and that was in Colorado? Yes, yeah. yes he was a town marshal in Firestone, Colorado. Okay, and you were a police officer in an adjacent agency? Yes, sir. That was Dakota, Colorado. Gotcha. So you guys boarded against each other, and you got to know each other and met each other quite frequently. Yes. these are. Uh, there's a cluster of small towns just northeast of Denver, about 30 miles, and we backed each other up on a very regular basis. These are all small departments with no training budget, and uh, 
we needed to cover each other. They didn't have the budget to bring in additional officers. So, And our chiefs all realized that. They were all, although they may have been administrators as chiefs, they were still cops. So they were good with that. So if we had to go 20 miles, that was fine with, with the chief of police. So we had to look after each other. There was no one else. It was pretty much, that was the Wild West, and it was us against them. And you said this was the 1980s. And you know, I got to tell you, I've been retired from police work 30 years, and it seems like a lifetime ago, and at times it seems like it was only yesterday. Well, it does. As a matter of fact, I have friends who are officers here now in Duluth, and I just, I pray for them. Back in the day, our day, at least in, in the wor- world I lived in, a cop could be a cop. You could do your job. Today, these guys are so hamstrung, and the risk level is so high, not only from the bad guys, but officers pausing. They don't know if they can react or not, and sometimes that kills them. It's too late. Right. We had a, a saying back in the day that complacency kills. When it comes to law enforcement, complacency kills, and it's, it's 100% deadly. Without question. But now, in this day and age, you, you have to second-guess your every move or you're out of a job. And well, we, now, I, I get that. You know, and not, I'm not saying I disagree with you, David. We had a motto back in 1980s, I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by 6. And we look back at the amount of officers who are killed in line of duty through the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. It far outpaces what's going on today. Yes, there is a lot of political pressure. Maybe we are more aware of it because of 24-hour news, social media, whatever it might be. But it wasn't a walk in the park for you, and it wasn't a walk in the park for me, and it darn sure wasn't a walk in the park for Town Marshal Richard Hart. No, no, it wasn't. And uh, Rick was, he was just the greatest guy. Now, he didn't have to do this job. He worked in the oil fields driving a a truck, and he made very good money. But he took this part-time job, and he was a, a police officer in the Air Force, and then later in another city for a couple years. But one of the things, Rick was a big, powerful man, but one of the things he lacked was situational awareness. He just, and he, he was a very highly intelligent guy. As a matter of fact, the night that Rick died, and people, I like to say the night that Rick was murdered, that evening Rick and I met at a restaurant and we had coffee and pie. Our wives were supposed to join us But my wife had a tremendous headache and couldn't make it, so we waved off his wife, and we just met for 20 minutes for coffee and pie. And uh, Peloton Press was putting on a street survival course in Denver metro area, and I kept bugging Rick uh, three weeks before and a week before. I was pressuring him to come to that seminar with me, and he didn't want to spend the money. He was working part-time to pay for his child's surgeries. Rick was a Vietnam vet. He was hit heavily with Agent Orange. He had a child born without any ears, and the VA walked away from him and said, no, that's not our problem. So Rick was trying to earn money for his son's surgery. And it's just just tragic. The whole situation is absolutely tragic. Uh, So I kept pressuring Rick to go to the street survival class with me. He wouldn't do it. And then finally... Uh, that evening, we were having our pie and coffee. I took my fork and I raked it across his forearm real quickly. I didn't mean to push that hard, but it put some welts. 
you could see the tracks from the fork tines. When Rick was laying in his casket, his wife wanted an open casket, and he want, he was very proud of his uniform, and as we all should be. And he wanted to be buried in his uniform if anything ever happened. Uh, so there was an open casket, and I looked at Rick's left arm, and there were those fork tines. And that's when it hit me. Nobody knew where those came from. We're going to take a short break. We are talking with David J. Brown. David is a former law enforcement officer, a former paramedic, author of three books. You can get more information about the books online. His website is David, letter J, brownbooks.com. This is a Law Enforcement Today show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Want to win great prizes in awesome contests? Who wouldn't want that? It's easy. Just sign up and subscribe for the Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. If you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. Return conversation with David J. Brown. David is calling us from the Minnesota area. He is a former law enforcement officer, former paramedic. He's also the author of three books. The books and information about him we found online at David, the letter J, brownbooks.com. Before we went to break, David, we're talking about your friend, Town Marshal Richard Hart. He, he was working apparently part-time in this town in Colorado and he was killed. But before that, you guys had met for dinner or for a pie and coffee and you're trying to convince him to go to a street survival seminar, which by the way, they were huge back in the day and they still are because that's where you get a lot of the, the situational awareness training from because quite often agencies can't afford it. And the other way you get that experience is the hard way by going through it. Correct. I, I did my best to push Rick forward. I even offered to pay for the class for him. I wouldn't have had a problem with that at all, but Rick is a proud man, as he should be, as we all should be. As we left the restaurant, I turned left and he turned right. And that's within 10 minutes, he was laying there dying. What had happened is that Rick picked up his partner after his partner was at home for dinner and they saw a vehicle careening off of several parked cars. His partner pulled the car over. Rick was in the passenger seat. Rick approached the driver, and the driver was obviously drunk and argumentative. He was racing his engine, and Rick committed the cardinal sin. It it cost him his life. He reached into that car to pull the keys from the ignition. The operator grabbed his arm, took off, dragged him about 18 feet, and dropped him. And that was the end of Rick's life. You're right. That is a horrible mistake to make. And I've made that mistake. I don't know of anybody who hasn't made that mistake. Fortunately, it it didn't cost me. But he, he, how old was he when he was killed? Uh, Rick was, 
incredibly young. He was only 34 years old, father of three. That takes me back to when I was a rookie police. And I, I tell people all the time, David, I was so lucky in Baltimore that a lot of the experienced cops who trained us, you, you went through the academy, you learned what you learned, you went through field training, and then you got real street experience. But a lot of the the officers were combat Vietnam veterans, and they were really good police. They're really good about basics, about survival, treating people with respect, all those sorts of things. And we even had a few commanders that were Korean War veterans. And that may seem like ancient history now, but back then it was far more commonplace than people realized. And they were very good. They sounded a lot like Richard. He was a quality guy. He truly was. And he was one of those guys that you, you, you make meet eyes with him and you knew you had a friend he was just that kind of guy and you knew he had your back even more importantly he was a quality guy he just didn't have the training necessary and it's just it's just so sad and one of the things that that is so relevant to today's conversation is a lot of politicians are anti-street survival training they're anti-warrior training and People hear those terms and they go, oh my goodness, it's about killing people. It's not that at all. As a matter of fact, the warrior classes aren't about it at all. And they not only do not fund that type of training, they prohibit their officers from paying out of their own pocket and going. Yes. Uh, It's an example here in Duluth. And our officers applied, our chief applied for uh, helmets, new vests, knee pads, bulletproof knee pads things of that nature, and the city council said, no, I think we want to involve our civilians. So they had a civilian committee deciding what protective gear the city was going to buy our police officers. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense now, (laughs) does it? Well, to me, it makes no sense. And, uh, you know, the government was giving away military vehicles all throughout the country. And... uh, the, the city, right? We're on the very tip of Lake Superior. Uh, I can look out and I can see ships moving back and forth. Right across the bay from us is Superior, Wisconsin. They opted to take one of those armored uh, vehicles from the military, and we've had to call for their assistance a dozen times every year for barricaded subjects, whether shots fired, that type of thing. Our county has has a bearcat. Duluth could have had one. But they thought that that was too too right. much of a military. Yeah, I, I get that, and you know that's getting to a, a situation I really don't want to talk about because we could have a conversation about the idiocy of governments and government bureaucrats and elected politicians until the cows come home. And by the way, that's not a new conversation. That's been going on forever and ever and ever. All these things that we talk about, the militarization of police, is caused by like. LA's uh, North Hollywood Bank shootout. Check out that one. How about uh, the Austin Bell Tower in Texas? All these things are brought about as a result of incidents occur. And we talked earlier about the tragic murder of Town Marshal Richard Hart. He learned his lessons the hard way from his own experience. He made the mistake of putting his hand in a car and the, the driver took off and dragged him and that wound up killing him, didn't it? Yes, sir. The real came from when the DA released the violator. He was in jail less than six hours. And uh, there was a lot of heat over that, but it was an election year, and it's just ridiculous. So there were five of us in the group. Uh, after Rick's funeral, 
five of us came together from different jurisdictions and decided that we were going to be the hunters. Supposedly, the FBI was involved, and you know, federal agencies don't share anything with local, local officers, at least in my experience. So we had to be our own force, and we set up schedules. Uh, we, we looked for Bernie right up until his body was found. And what I did for my end, now we had several, this is a whole area is, is honeycombed with underground coal mines. So we would check all the entrances to make sure they were still sealed and that he wasn't hiding in any of those places. But during that time, that four and a half years until he was found, I made more traffic stops after Rick's murder than ever before. But I wrote zero, and I mean no tickets. I put myself on my very best behavior and became the ambassador of goodwill to all people. I stopped motorists for the silliest infractions. All the time, I was hoping somebody would drop something in my lap because they liked me because I was nice to them. I know there are people out there that knew about Bernie. Some of you may even know where he was. I was trying to make friends, so I had to play that game. Until at one point, a supervisor confronted me as to my writing, not writing any tickets on moving violations. And uh, I just didn't bother to tell him. I said, gosh, I, I thought we were here to, to assist our, our citizens. And we're going to take a short break. We're talking with David J. Brown, former law enforcement officer, former paramedic. We're talking about the murder of town marshal Richard Hartz and the aftermath. Don't go anywhere. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We'll be right back. Of all the radio stations in the United States, there's only one show like ours, the Law Enforcement Today radio show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. When you get there, click like and follow. Current conversation with David J. Brown, former law enforcement officer, also former paramedic. He is the author of three books. You can find them, get more information about him and the books online at his website, davidjbrownbooks.com. That's the letter J, davidjbrownbooks.com. We're talking about the murder of your friend, Town Marshal Richard Hart. And just to for those tuning in late, he was a part-time law enforcement officer. He was doing it to help generate revenue to pay bills for a child's surgery and you became very close friends and you met for pie one night pie and coffee had a conversation about doing some more training you went your separate ways and then he committed the cardinal mistake of putting his hand in the window of a car operated by a drunk driver that took off and it wound up costing rick his life before we went to break you said that the guy who was arrested and i, I really don't want to give his name was only charged with a minor offense and was released about six hours later, correct? Yes, that's right. He went to the wind. Uh, he was given no restrictions by the court as to his travel. Uh, he was just free to fly. And uh, we hunted him. A, a large group initially, officers from all over the region and several states. But as time went on, you know, everyone slows down and goes back to their lives. And that's understandable. But five of us stood fast. We were going to catch him. And we, 
you know, we were all small towns. We didn't have access to computers. We didn't have access to all the data that's available if you're a federal agency. So we did a lot of footwork, an awful lot. But at the same time, my personal life, I was destroying myself. I felt I was always a drinking man, but then I fell into the bottle and I could not climb out. Right. And as strange as this may sound, or maybe it doesn't sound strange to some that have been into a situation near that, but I actually blamed my wife. It was a very dark secret. She didn't know, but I harbored a tremendous grudge that if she would have been there for dinner that night, if she wouldn't have had that severe headache, Rick would still be alive today. And this insanity drove me deeper and deeper into a level of hatred that I couldn't even stand myself. That's an ugly secret to have yeah. to live with. It's it, it also makes, I don't want to say sense, because that's not the right word, but for someone who's been through extreme trauma, put, placing blame on someone has nothing to do with it. It's not uncommon. And I'll be honest with you, David, there are things that, you know, I've forgiven people. I've forgotten a lot of names over the years because I don't want to remember them. I don't want to have an impact on my life today. But there's a there's a couple people that I will never forgive and I will never forget because what they did was so heinous and so violent uh, and affected friends of mine and myself as well that... I just can't let it go. I, I don't obsess over it. I don't stew over it. I don't lose sleep over it anymore. But you know what? Their their main their names are still there. I, I have some of those myself. I like the way we were able to reinforce each other and kind of our madness. But yeah, you know what? Doing the job changes you. I don't care who you are. Don't look at me and tell me that you live in a normal world because you don't. You possibly can't. And that kind of denial can be deadly as well. And I think that's where a lot of our officer suicides come from. I was on the very cusp of it. And something told me that God had a plan for me. And I'm not a religious man, but today I've learned to live a spiritual life based through the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, and I'm so grateful for that organization. I'm so Uh, glad you found them too, and you got yourself a really good life as well. Yes, yes. This is the best my life has ever been. And tomorrow, it will be even better. It truly will be. I want to go back to the beginning of the dark days. And uh, Town Marshal Richard Hart, uh, your colleague, your friend, he was killed. And somebody might say an accident. I don't use the term accident. When someone takes off because a police officer puts their hand in the car and drags him, it's on purpose. That is homicide. The the suspect, the defendant, whatever terminology you want to use, was arrested, charged on minor charges, and released, and then he took off and was a fugitive, and you guys formed your own little posse, for lack of better words, to try to find this guy. Oh, we did. As a matter of fact, this was a rough area. This is a a farm community, hard-living, hard-working people. There's mining going on there. These are people, these are the salt of the earth kind of folks. But they're a little bit hard-edged. And if you cross them, you're going to pay. Well, there were some tough guys in the area. And so what I would do, and the other four of us five, we would rouse these guys. And we would say, I know you did this. I know you did that. But I'm not going to charge you. If we even caught them doing a crime, we'd say, you know, I'm not going to charge you. But I want some information. Mm-hmm. Let's be pals. Well, Little did they know that we wrote up arrest warrants for every one of them. 
but we didn't serve them. You, you have a long time before you have to have them signed and served. So we used that as a tool. But again, we, we were so powerless. We're just little little people in little towns. Uh, so we never did find the perpetrator. He was found, however. How much later was that? Four and a half years. Four and a half years. We uh, There was a broadcast on, uh, on a state emergency band radio system to all cars and stations. This is a little emotional for me. It's okay. Excuse me. Uh, the broadcast was a fugitive, in, in his name, uh, has been taken into custody. And then the, our county dispatcher, minutes afterwards, said he has been taken into custody and he has ended his own life. And and they gave the location. And that's all we knew until the next day. We, we found out from reading the newspaper, of course. And what did they say? He had taken his own life at a campsite in Nevada, shot himself in the chest with a thirty-eight caliber pistol. He did supposedly leave a suicide note, but made no wrench, no mention of his conflict or or killing uh, Officer Hart. Well, I, I I'm not a big believer in karma, but. In a way, and maybe in a sick kind of way, people might think, uh, you know, not very spiritual, this guy. I'm kind of glad he met the end he did. Well, and then we, we don't know what he did before he killed Rick. We don't know what he did while he was on the run. But I can tell you this. When the county attorney charged him on November 3rd, I think he signed the warrant for a rearrest. Uh, we had an officer right there as he signed it, and he radioed us. We were at the suspect's home the moment that was signed, and we got a code four, and there were guns everywhere mm-hmm. in hopes we could capture him. But, of course, he was long gone. So he was but, ready for war. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, again, we we, we checked every source we possibly could. Um, but we just... Uh, the guy was too slick. He was just, he was good at what he did. And where he got his training, God only knows. He was an Air Force veteran, I think just at E2. But, uh, and I don't mean to disrespect anyone with that rank, don't get me wrong, but this guy seemed to have a lot more savvy than, than an airman. There were so, so many people that we came in contact with, David, that there's the Hollywood stereotype of the criminal mastermind, and they are very, very rare. Most criminals are not very bright people. They're not very intelligent. If they were, they wouldn't be spending their time and energy doing criminal things. But then you had a few that even though they weren't bright, they weren't intelligent, they weren't smart, they were very good at being career criminals. And they just seemed to know by instinct the right things to do to evade arrest for as long as possible. We're talking with David J. Brown. He is a former law enforcement officer, also a former paramedic. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit more about the murder of his friend, Town Marshal Richard Hart, and his own demise and salvation, or shall I say, recovery. Ever find yourself in a situation where you can't listen to the whole Law Enforcement Today show? Never fear. Past episodes are available online as a podcast, and you can listen for free. That's right. The Law Enforcement Today podcast is free. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast, or simply go to letradioshow.com and click the Be Heard tab. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If 
you haven't done so already, please download our app. It's 100% free. We got versions for your Android and iPhone devices, 100% free. You can download them today at our website, which is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. Be sure to get yours today. Back to our conversation with David J. Brown on the Law Enforcement Show. David is a former law enforcement officer, also a former paramedic, author of three books. You can get more information about him and his books online. His website is davidjbrownbooks.com. We're talking about the murder of your friend and colleague, Town Marshal Richard Hart in Colorado. And eventually, the suspect, who was a fugitive for years and years and years, was found he died by suicide, and you would think that there would be a, a, a sense of relief. Okay, this part is over. We can rest. We can relax. Quite often, and here's a term that Hollywood loves, closure. There is no such thing as closure for most people. <laughs> Did you experience some tremendous closure? And like, oh, he's been arrested, or he, he's dead. It's like, okay, I can go back to being the way I was before this incident. The only closure I've ever experienced is when I paid off my pickup truck. Yeah. Outside of that, I don't think there's any such a thing. But people need to heal, without question. And the day, August 7th, 1991, the day I had my duty weapon in my mouth, the same day I turned in my badge, was also the same day I was never going to drink again. And that was 30 years ago, and I've yet had a desire to have a drink. It took me a period of time. I felt some level of guilt. I know it didn't belong to me with Rick's death, but yet I, I carried that. If I would have sold him harder on that street survival class, if I would have pushed him, but you know, that's that's armchair quarterback. Yeah, stuff. It's that's called coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yeah. If I, if I, I could have, should have, yeah. I would have, you know, we're not God. We're not Superman. We can't save everybody. I went through my own survivor's guilt about stuff, David. And you know what? It's a process that you just got to work through, and it takes a long time. It takes a really long time. Well, I found I found the greatest blessing in my life. Uh, my mother passed away in 2001. I was living in Colorado at the time. She lived here in Duluth, Minnesota. I drove because I needed some head time just to clear everything up. I, I drove back to Minnesota for my mother's funeral. I got to do her eulogy, and that was important to me. And I returned home, and as I was driving through Gillette, Wyoming, I had to stop for gas, and I saw a mountain face very nearby. And I thought, I've got to go there. Something is pulling me. Jay, I do not violate anyone's property. I've never stepped a foot on anyone's private property. I won't pick up a billfold. If there's a billfold that's laying on the ground, I'll pick it up and stand there and hold it forever if I have to. But I'm going to find the owner of that billfold. But in this case, I was so driven, I got on a frontage road and then onto a real bumpy dirt road, and I came to a cattle guard. And a lot of people may not know what a cattle guard is. It's spaced out. It looks like railroad uh, tracks, spaced out about three inches apart to keep the cattle from walking through the roadway right. where there's a fenced area. I drove as close as I could, and then I started walking, and, Jay, I found myself standing in front of this sheer mountain cliff and I sheer mountain face, and suddenly I'm on my knees with my hands pressed in prayer. Now, again, I'm not a religious man, 
I don't know how long I was on my knees. I don't know what took place. I walked back to my car, and I heard a voice tell me, write the book. And I don't know how to write a book. I graduated 15 from the bottom of my high school class of 450 kids. Uh, I never applied myself for anything. I drove back to Colorado and sat down the next day. I went out and bought some uh, legal pads and a bunch of pens, and I sat down the next day. And I used 68 legal pads to write my first book because I didn't have a computer. I don't know how to use a keyboard. Was that book about or inspired by your downfall and your recovery? Yes. Actually, I've written four novels and then one, uh, and I'm working on a, on a fifth. But it, the whole thing is hope and joy and pushing through with our pain and our fears. And, and if I can say one thing about fear, fear is not, in my vocabulary, fear is not a word. Fear is an acronym, and it stands for false evidence appearing real. It seems like we all, myself included, we get locked up in our fears that we can't do this. We're not good enough to do that. Nobody will believe this. I had to push through that fear. And once I broke through the fear, I had to write about my truths. Because my goal was for other people to seek their truths. That's where the freedom comes from. And I was very steadfast with, I don't get a pass. I've got to tell the truth as it was so I can move forward and hopefully other people will want to follow that same lead. When you're talking so, about your freedom from that, are, from, are you talking about from the guilt and remorse about Richard Hart and your own drinking problem? Oh, just the freedom of self. Uh, I, I had a very miserable childhood and I made a mess of, out of my adult life. I've been married and divorced five times. Because I wasn't crazy, I just wasn't connected with myself. And once I got connected with myself, my life changed. And I just have a great deal of fun. I love writing. Now, I've had five books published without any education. Only thing was, was God's grace and my own determination. And my message is to everyone, I, I very much dislike the word victim. I very much dislike the word survivor. Survivor is one step above victim, and that's not enough. We deserve more than that, a lot more than that. I, I didn't get sober just to survive. I got sober to live. I get that. And to live, live the best life I possibly can. So you've obviously devoted yourself to writing about your journey, and you say you're in your fifth novel now? Uh, I've completed my fifth. I'm on my sixth, actually. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't keep track. This is a guy with no education in writing, and, and you're very prolific at it. Let's talk about the books uh, you have. What are the names of the, the books you have already? Uh, my first book was Daddy Had to Say Goodbye. My second is Flesh of a Fraud. These are all self-descriptive. My third was Harvest Season, Body Parts. The fourth is Altered Egos, The Lies We Tell Ourselves. And my fifth is Be Like Ed, who is a story about a wonderful man who passed away from cancer and all the gifts he gave to so many people. This man was so engaging and loving. He retired Air Force, had the biggest heart. Uh, I'm a member of a very, very large YouTube community that uh, 
we're, we're kind of crazy people, but we celebrate life and we celebrate freedom. And uh, we're, we're not right-wing anything, but we very much believe in our Constitution and the defense of our Constitution. Absolutely. Every, every cop I know takes an oath to protect the Constitution of the United States and their state, uh, myself included. What is your website and can people get in touch with you there? They can get in touch. My website is davidjbrownbooks.com. If, if you order books from my website, I can sign them. My books are also available on Amazon, and they're both in print form and uh, audio, or uh, I'm sorry, ebook form. I'm having audio books being manufactured as we speak right now, Jay, and hopefully those will be out sometime in February. And your website's davidjbrownbooks.com. That's correct, yes, How sir. about social media? Can we find you on social media? Uh, Facebook, yeah, I'm all over Facebook. And what's the name uh, of your Facebook page? David J. Brown. Just real simple. David, I really appreciate you coming on the show to talk about your story. I appreciate your service very, very much. And I'm really glad that you have found peace and recovery and 30 years of sobriety in your journey. Many people do not. Many people die from this. And by the way, if you have a problem with drugs or alcohol, I highly suggest you check out a 12-step program, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. If the person is breathing in and out, there's always hope for them. David, thanks for being guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, sir. It's good to meet another brother. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing if you enjoyed the podcast version of the show please do me a big favor tell a friend i'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the law enforcement today radio show and podcast until then this is john j wiley see ya